We'll be reading from Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God would please to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Redemption Church Tucson, and um, Redemption Church is one church in multiple congregations throughout Arizona, and we um, launched our public service here last last year, and so that's what we're celebrating here today. If you're new or I've never met you before, again, welcome, or it's great to see you here. Um, I don't know if my mic was on when I said beginning. My name's Dave, and um, I have a speech impediment, so I just want to give you all a heads up um, that as I preach, as I go through it, it'll kind of come in and out. So I um, just want to give you a heads up on that um, so you all know what it is. And it's just really good to have you all here. And I, I want to say what Jared said as well, that if you have kids in here, we're really glad you're here. We know what we were doing when we did, did this um, because we started as a church family and I'll, I'll get to share some of that story Today And so this is just while we still can, um, we just want to come together as a family and, um, and that includes our kids. The, 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 we're a church that does say all of life is all for Jesus. If you've ever heard that before, I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase um, that we just sang. But um, we, we say that and that begins with our kids, that includes our families. And so again, um, if you were here around Christmas time, you remember we had a smaller crowd. We're all up here. A kid was up here playing with trucks with me and during the sermon, and we just embrace it. Okay, so we're we're in it together. And um, again, if you're new, it's kind of like you walk into a birthday party. So um, which is great. Okay, we're you are welcome into this birthday party. Um, what we normally do, we've been walking through the book of Mark. That as a church, we. Um, we believe that God's Word shapes us as we consistently come under His teaching. So we've been going through the Gospel according to Mark, and it's been really good and really shaping. And we look at what it means that all of life is all for Jesus and how that applies to our life through um, the way the good news is told in Mark. And so that's what we've been doing. But today we're going we're gonna to pause and just celebrate. Um, it's a consistent theme throughout Scripture Throughout the Old Testament, especially in all of the Bible, you see a, a theme of 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 um, just pausing to to consider where are we, where have we come from, where um, what has brought us to this moment, and where are we headed? And that's not really normal in our day in our everyday life right now. We tend to just go 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 and go through a transition and kind of high five your spouse on your way out. Hey, happy anniversary! You know, see you next year. Just, we tend to have a busy, crazy theme, but um, we're going to practice as a people consistently pausing and just remembering. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to remember what God's done, what he's doing, and um, that's what we're going to walk through today. Okay, so again, it's a celebratory time. I don't know where everybody's coming. We all 
come in here in different places, but this is a time where we can be reminded of who is God and what is He doing, and then from there, who are we and how do we respond to Him? Okay, so with that, let us let, let us pray together and um, as we move through this time. And I also want to say, I'm going to um, try to go quickly because I know we have some younger folks in here, some kids, and um, that's a lot of pressure though. Like I said, I have a stutter, so stutter, try to talk fast, that's just messed up of you guys, but... No, that's what, that's what we're going to do today, and we'll try to keep it quick and, um, and, and just keep on celebrating God and what He's doing. Okay, so let's pray. Lord, thank You for um, this time. Uh, we do confess that um, we tend to be a busy people and to overlook what You're doing, and Lord, to get consumed with our own lives day to day and kind of what we um, are, are you know up to. And those are all good things, but when they become ultimate things, when we take them and we detach them from you and who you are and what you're doing, it can, um, Lord, become consuming and even um, be a great struggle. And so, so as we take this time, I pray that you would continue to remind us and shape us by who you are and what you're doing. And then from there, Lord, that we might more rightly understand what our everyday lives, the daily grind looks like in light of who you are. And um, in, in your, your sovereignty, your authority over all of life. So we pray that you will lead us through this time. We pray that the kids would have fun. They are, as we reflect and, and dream, that it would be a good time of, uh, of you taking us through who you are and what you're doing. So we thank you again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let me ask you, um, how, like, what brought you here today? Like, what, what has gone on that's brought you to this seat right now. As I said, some of you might be brand new and you might be like, I just, I saw a sign outside or some friend invited me and I'm just here. I'm here to be at church and that's great and we're excited that you're here. Some of you um, likely are friends and you're here to, to support us and to be a part of this day with us. I know some, I know many have kind of, kind of like trickled in over the last year, just gotten involved in redemption from different places, different stories. And so what I'm going to do is just briefly kind of share with you how we got here, like how Redemption Tucson got here, and then from there for us to, again, rightly understand um, where we're headed and what we're doing and what we're all about. So um, we're just going to walk through the story a bit. Is um, So August 6, 2012, not a lot of you know that day. Um, it's my wife's birthday, actually, August 6th. And we packed up our family. We lived in California and had just really over a couple years of prayer and fasting and conversation and dreaming, considered, God, where have you, how have you uniquely shaped our family? Where have you called us to really plant some deep roots? And um, to our joy, he returned our gaze to Tucson. We met here as students here at the U, U of A. We left Tucson. We love it, but didn't think this would be our like forever home. And then over a course of a long time, just who God's uniquely made Tucson to be and who he's made us to be as a family led us to, um, my in-laws took my older kids, I have eight-year-old triplets, so they took them ahead so we could kind of get our last stuff packed up, tried to sell our house, and my wife and I and our six-month-old daughter, Zoe, at the time, got in our 1994 um, Subaru station wagon, which my kids affectionately called the Silver Bullet, and, um, and we drove. We drove here to Tucson. We drove back to Arizona. Yes, like Clark Griswold, um, cruising in a station wagon down the highway. We came here. And through the support and um, just a lot of 
partnerships with other churches, we got to spend a year building relationships and just praying and, and, and kind of um, learning again about Tucson and what God wants to do here and how we might be a part of that. And then um, three interns raised their own financial support to come and help plant the church that was not yet planted. So they might be crazy or have a lot of faith or some of both. And they came throughout that year. And then on uh, October of 2013, we gathered a little group in my backyard. And we have a picture of that. We've talked about this before. So that's us right there, 19 of us um, in my backyard, just about a couple blocks away from here. We gathered and began to talk about what does this look like? Some of you probably see yourselves in there and we just started. We're like, we're going to function as a church plant, but we don't really fully know what God's doing, what he's, um, what, who he wants to shape with us. So we, we just spent a lot of time over that first year um, talking about what it means to be disciples of Jesus individually and together. And some of you have heard us really um, who we are, our, 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 our culture as a church, and what it looks like to be a community and to engage community and to, and to engage culture around us. And what does it look like for us to gather together week in and week out to submit ourselves to God's word, but not just as an end in itself, but to be sent out as his people living as the church in, in each day. So we did that, and a lot of times as we grew, we were like, let's start this thing, let's get going, let's have our, our services, let's start, and, but we stayed committed to growing how God would want us to grow. That's a theme that will continue, and then finally, um, and it's, it's seriously, like our house got packed, and it, we were like, let's launch this mug, like let's get going, but, but we finally, um, uh, uh, you'll see another picture here, this is the week before our public launch. So the top one there was the, the 19. And then the next one was the week before we would launch here in our backyard. We just had kind of a celebratory week. And then this time last year, we had our first ever, our, 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 our corporate worship service, our public launch. You'll see there. And um, how many of you were here? Just kind of a little fun reflection. So yeah, so we see here a number of you, a lot of you weren't, and that's just exciting. You see there, if you pay close attention, we had fans. Okay, let's, that is room for rejoice right now that we don't need those fans in here right now. It was like 130 degrees in here. If you remember, the air was not on. The school district was figuring out what it meant to have a church plant in a school here. We had these doors open. It was super loud. These fans were blowing. I was sweating. It was awkward. But it was fun. And we started out as a church, and we, um, as a church plant, right, we considered, again, okay, we're launching, we're going public, now what do we do, right, what's going what's gonna to be our, our, our church, what are we going to be all about, are we going to be kind of program driven, are we going to, what are we going to do in our sermon series, how are we going to function, what are we going to build upon, and so we chose our first time to just settle in on the story of God. Who is God and what is he doing? And, and so we're going to be shaped as a people in light of Jesus. If we say all of life is all for Jesus, we better understand like what that means. And so if you remember our first sermon series, and those of you that weren't here, I'm just going to briefly walk us through the story of God. That's what we went through. That's where, where we started and who is God. And, and if you're like an engineer or an attorney or an accountant or something like that, you're like, story, what's all this like fluffy language, you know, story, what is that all about? One guy, and then some of you that are like artists and poets are like, yeah, story, that's it, yeah, let's do this thing. Um, 
we, story, one guy explains it as simply the best way of understanding the way things actually are. Okay, so that's the way he defined it, and this guy's like a theologian, has his PhD, and he just said, so when we use the language of story, it's understanding the way things actually are. And we're shaped by story, right? As I've said, everyone in here, you have a story. Whatever's brought you to this seat right now, there's a story behind that. And all of us, corporately, are involved in a story. In fact, let me read you this. One guy explains it very well like this. The question is not whether the whole of our lives will be shaped by some grand story. The only question is which grand story will shape our lives. For the one who has heard Jesus' call to follow him, the call comes with a summons to enter the story of which he was the climactic moment. So again, let me just say, let me, I assume right now, let me submit to you that we're all living in light of some story. Whatever that might be. It might be a consumer-driven story. The more you have, the happier you are. It might be a, a performance-driven story. That's, yeah, the more you succeed, then the better off you will be. Or whatever it might be, we're all living in light of some story. So the question is not, I'm not into a story thing. I'm not a part of one. No, that's not an option. We're all a part of a story. The question is, which story? And so what we're going to look at briefly and what our church has been built upon and what we've really started as and what's led us to this first year is the story of God. That He is the author and the hero of the story. So if you have a Bible, turn with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. And, um, um, and if not, you can just look up here on the screen with me. And I'm just going to walk, walk through this. And um, beginning in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. He is Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things held together, hold together. So that's so, that is packed. Those three verses are loaded with philosophy, with theology, with, 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 with proclamation, with assumptions of truth. And, and essentially what it's saying is Jesus is the author. It's saying that God is the author of the story. The grand story that defines every other story begins with God saying, let there be. Let there be light. Let there be, and, and him creating it and saying it's good. And then as the, the, the climax of his creation, he created humanity. He created you and me. He said, let us make man in our image. And God created you to bear his image, to reflect him, that all of life, every facet of life would, would reflect him, would be good. That your relationship with God would be perfect. That your relationship with yourself would be perfect your own identity, how you look at yourself, how you feel about yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship with work, the two big words we looked at were the imago Dei, the image of God, that you are perfect and have value because you are created in God's image, and the cultural mandate or the creation mandate, that what you do, that when you clock in and clock out, how you spend your every day has worth and value and was created to be good and perfect and worshipful because God commissioned us in that. So God is the author and the hero of story. All of life is all for Him. But 
if you're a human, I assume that's everyone in here, and you um, are, are, are living and you live in this world and you're here today, I know that as I, as I painted that picture, you're like, that's not reality, right? Because of um, the fall, what the Bible refers to as the fall, that though God created us with this purpose in His image, we chose to corporately, that means all of us together and individually, we said, I don't really want any part of that. Thanks, God. I want to hijack the story. I don't want it to be about you. I want to make it about me. And then everything we've talked about entered in, right? Um, self-doubt and confusion, um, depression and anxiety, broken relationships with others, broken relationship with God. Sin entered in the world. Sin is simply saying, not God. It's simply choosing not God and living in light of a reality that's not God. And so sin entered into the world. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, the wages of sin is death. Another word for wages is result or reality or consequence. So because we've chosen not God, death has entered into the world. Death in our relationship with self, with others, in our families, with our work, in our communities, in every way we experience, ultimately physically, we experience death. And that's not good. But God, being the author of the story, saying, no, no, this is my story. It's not going to be hijacked. I care too much about my creation, about my image bearers. So God enters in. So then pick up with me in verse 18. Again of Jesus, we have creation, fall, and then redemption. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So God doesn't leave us there. God doesn't say, okay, you turned your back on me, fine, forget you. Like, good luck with that. But God, caring so much about us, caring that He's the author, it's His story, entered in taking human flesh, that Jesus is not only the author, but the what? The, the hero of the story. He doesn't sit back and zap lightning bolts, but took on human flesh, entered into the story, entered into what? The death, the firstborn from the dead, that Jesus would come into our broken world, our broken reality, our broken relationships, and say, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. I'm going to take it back. Like the hero that swoops in and faces the bully and says, no, 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 you don't get to win. He takes us back and says, no, these are mine. This is mine. And, and he laid down his life on the cross. By dying, he put death to death. So though we experience death still to this day in so many sad realities, there's hope of redemption that word redemption means emancipation, rescued from slavery, that death no longer rules and reigns over our lives. But the good news is now that Jesus has come and said, no, no, I'm going to take back what's mine. But the story doesn't end there, right? The last part that we live in light of is restoration, that he's the hero of the whole story. And too often we think that Jesus, the hero, comes in and grabs the bully and, and says, hey, give me back what's mine, and then leaves with us, with our souls, and he restores us in our relationship with God. But he says, no, no, I'm going to bring it all back to me. And he takes the bully, holds him upside down, shakes him out, and gets every last thing that has been stolen, and he promises that he will restore everything that has been broken. In verse 20, and through him to reconcile to himself 
all things. Some things, just the spiritual parts of life, just our souls. No, all things reconciled to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Through his death, Jesus brings life. And the promise he's given us, he says, behold, I am making all things new. That's the story. That's what we live in light of. That's where we are now. That's what we're looking ahead to. That defines us as a church. So um, there are so many stories we could tell about this. We could tell so much to, to, to I could invite people up here, but w- what we've done is we've um, just asked a couple of people to, to share with you um, how God has used redemption, standing firm on the foundation of the story of God, making life all about Jesus. How has God used that in, during year one to shape some people's lives? So let's hear from a few people right now. Um, my name is Patricia Carter. Ben, great day. My name is Kenneth. Hi, everyone. I'm David. God has used Redemption to some over this last year in so many ways. I can't even choose a couple. God has grown my love for this city exponentially and his people in this city, um, the different churches and their different missions. I am so amazed and by what I see and what God is doing in the city. Um, he has grown my love for just people in general in the city, from my neighbors around me, the people I see in the stores and the grocery market so much that um, I never had that before, this love that God is stirring up in me for just his city and his people in it. Um, he has personally been working on me in that when I open up my home for RC, I'm really able to put my stuff aside and not take myself so seriously, but take him seriously and love people by just allowing them in and be where they're at. And we're messy together and we just, um, he's really like created and worked that out in me and it's been really good seeing just everything he's doing here and it's just extremely exciting. It's, it's family. It's nothing more than family. Simple, simplest way to put it, you come with your family to worship. Imagine eating dinner with your family. Imagine worshiping God with your family, all in the same. It's, it's an amazing place. For me personally, I'm rebuilding my family. We've been through a really rough time, I'd say, dragged through the dirt the past couple of years. Um, and with Redemption Church, we found hope. We found we found future. Um, we feel a part of something now, something bigger than, than just our family. We feel, you know, part of the, the goal for everybody, every human, to meet God eventually. Um, Redemption Church is a great place. Hope to see you soon. Thank you guys. God bless you. Um, just wanted to share a little bit about what excites me about uh, redemption. Uh, on a personal level, there's just so much that excites me. Uh, I'm excited to come every Sunday. Uh, and as Christians, sometimes I'm not always feel that way, but I just feel with uh, redemption, it's just an exciting place to be. It's exciting to hear the word of God preached um, every Sunday to just be in community with people here. On a personal level, I think there's just so much here that, um, that's helping me to grow, to um, really become a, a disciple, uh, and the discipline that comes with that, giving the word, um, sharing with people, um, being in Bible study, things like that, and just really impacted my life, impacted our family's life. Uh, excited to see kind of how we grow in this church, and how the church grows, inviting people uh, to come here, and seeing the family, different generational people, uh, people of gener- different generations coming. Uh, we're excited to see what the church can do in the community, too. Um, 
I know since I went to college here uh, back in the early 2000s, downtown Tucson has changed quite a bit, and I'm just so excited to see a church that's reaching out to the people in the community here who's loving them, uh, who are just interested in serving them, whether it's at Stafford School here or just anywhere else downtown. Uh, there's just so much to be excited about, and I uh, hope you'll join us tonight. So that's just a, a handful of some story. Yeah, we can clap. We can, yeah, let's get that. We're growing in that way. I, man, I do, um, just, and those are just a handful. Thank you, those of you who shared that. And I get a front row seat a lot of times. And see, I know there, like any one of us could share the stories of how God has been using his church. As, as it said, Jesus, the head of the body, his church, he's the head, we're the body, an intimate term of his people together. And just to show a couple more pictures for us to just remember um, God's faithfulness over the last the last year. You see, we had our first ever baptism service there. Um, some of you guys remember that we did not know what that was going to look like to put a trough up there full of water. And we just kind of were like, dude, seriously, is this thing going to just like dump over, pour water, people are rolling out. We had no idea, but it went really well. And um, some of those people I just have gotten to know, and you see they're you know, coming out of, out of um, you know, sin into life. That's what baptism is, reflecting what Jesus has done and celebrating that together as a church. And then we got to hold some child dedications. And again, we have a, another one coming up here. And some of you guys see like your little baby, like a month old there. And now we hear him and see him running around. And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness and his goodness together. And we've gotten to, to serve as well. Um, we got to have our um, Easter service, our first ever Easter service here. It is so fun growing as a church and a lot of people from the community and a lot of people who never usually steps inside of a church came and, and worshiped with us. And then we've gotten to serve. We say we're gospel-centered and outward-focused. If we're living in light of the story of God, what does that look like in real life if it's not all about Sunday morning alone in our relationship with Safford School? That's the teacher's lounge. Actually, one of the teachers is here this morning. I got to talk with her, and she got to share and dream more about what our partnership with this um, in many ways, under-resourced school can look like. And it's exciting, right? So, so that's year one. So we've got that down, and now what? Right? We're at the end of year one. We've been living in light of the story of God. All of life is all for Jesus. Well, guys, in year two, we're done with all that. Year two, no. Like, in some ways, looking ahead, now as we pause, we look back, we remember God's faithfulness in light of living out the person and work and authority of Jesus. Nothing changes. We're going to keep doing that. But the implications of that will continue to grow. There's, as we look ahead to next year, there's so much to consider to the years to come. God, what are you doing? Jesus promised, I'm restoring all things. Have we seen all things restored yet? No, so we continue faithfully, excitedly, expectantly that Jesus has plans up ahead, that He is doing more things. And by His incredible grace through, again, driving like Clark Griswold here and then growing as a church together, we get to be a part of His story, the grand story, the true story of the entire world. We get to be a part of that. So right now, looking back on our first year, we get to look ahead to next year, to the years to come, and consider, God, what does that look like? So again, let's hear from a couple more people as they share what they're excited about to be a part of in the coming years.
I'm Justin Martin. Hi, my name's Alex. What are the things that I love about redemption is the fact that I can invite people into a community. It's not just a building, it's not just a service, it's the fact that the people I know they are walk with Christ and genuinely love him and therefore whoever I invite to the church is going to feel welcomed and find a place there. Um, one of the ways I'm really excited for this community to grow though in the next five years would be to see us partner more closely with Stafford. I would love to see a youth group develop at our church. I'd love to see kids from Stafford being matched up with young adults here that will walk alongside them and kind of help them walk through the tough years that are happening And I think it would be great to have them come and worship alongside us. I'd also love to see, since Stafford is such a diverse school, their families come and worship with us. Their families come and become part of our church. And I'd love to hear different languages in the foyer. I'd love to hear different languages in worship and just have us learn to bridge those cultural distances with the love of Christ because it's really what unites us in the excited about the, the year that redemption has been here in Tucson. Uh, that we can sit down once a week in our, in our community groups and we can focus on how Christ has impacted our life and how we can go out and, and to reach out into, to downtown Tucson. It's so culturally diverse that we could uh, show Christ's love in that and how it's uh, God created us and how that culture is created by Him. Um, people will eventually see that. Also, just a, uh, the excitement for, for the community groups to expand in Tucson to really reach out in Laurel Valley or in Vale or in Foothills uh, where we can all sit down in different walks of life and focus on how we can impact uh, those little pods that we're in and how Christ can spread out from those. Uh, just continue for Tucson to yeah, be redeemed uh, and come back to uh, just who we are and who we were created for. What I'm most excited about for Redemption's future is how I think God has placed us strategically in the downtown area where you have just a, a conglomeration of a bunch of different types of people. You have young families, you have old established neighborhoods, and you have young professionals moving in, but you also have you know a lot of poverty in the area. And I think God is really going to use Redemption to, to meet these different needs and to hopefully diversify um, and bring all these different groups of people together to worship God in, in, in one place. So really excited what uh, God's going to do through redemption in the next couple of years, especially through um, the growing and the establishment of other redemption communities. Um, it'd be great to see those placed throughout the city and multiple ones even in the downtown area. I'm thinking of the university area, Harmony um, Park, Barrio Viejo, east side, west side. So I'm just excited about what God's doing and hope you guys will be on that journey with us. Man, that's exciting, motivating. That's Alex's son there, Calvin, is shouting an amen. And um, kids, you've done great. We're, so right now where we are, as we kind of wrap up this time, we're naturally asking, now what? Or so what? Right? You read Colossians 1, 15 through 20, the preeminence of Jesus, the story of God, that He is the author and the hero of the story, but we kind of struggle to wonder, well, what does that really look like on street level? 
Well, what do we do with that? What does it look like to live as God's people right now? Well, the author Paul actually answers that in the very end of Colossians 1 in verse 28. He kind of answers that that how question. He says this, Him we proclaim. We proclaim the good news of Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. That, that word is summed up, in, or that phrase is summed up in admonishing. We're proclaiming the good news of Jesus with our words. As we're going, we're, we're displaying it with our lives. We're, we're living it out in our families, in our workplaces. We are, 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 are reflecting the good news of Jesus as His image bears together. And we're admonishing, we're saying, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're right. As we look in Tucson around us and we see the things that shouldn't be, we don't just sit there and say, oh, come to church on Sunday and we'll act like that's not real. No, we admonish and say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're right. That is the result of sin. That's the result of not God. But there's good news. That's not the real story. The story over which God presides. Let me talk to you about that. Have you heard this? Have you met this Jesus? And the, the, and, and the hope that we continue on there says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The good news is that Jesus will not let what He has done return void. That the good news that He has started, He promises to finish. And that's what we live in light of. That's how we go while we're going. Guys, can you imagine that with me? Can you picture what that looks like for us in Tucson, living this out together, where individuals are transformed by meeting Jesus. All that we've talked about, relationship with self, anxiety, depression at an all-time high. Not that we just give easy answers and that goes away, but that the good news of Jesus over time informing who we are, bringing transformation, guilt and shame and whatever has come before in our lives, we're dead to sin and alive in Christ. What does it look like for families struggling, grinding it out? How do we function together? How do we live in this busy world? How do we work this out? The, the brokenness that we've come from, how does this mess get made clean? It's not easy. It's not simple. But it's a promise that Jesus is doing it. What does it look like for diversity in Tucson? Tucson is diverse. That's not changing. It's growing. We celebrate that. But if we're honest with ourselves, it has a history of unreconciled diversity, brokenness, people colliding together, fighting with one another, struggling to make sense of things that we really don't want to get to know anymore. Of What does it look like for the good news of Jesus, for the eclectic reality of God, the author of all of life and all of culture, to reconcile diversity? So that through the finished work of Jesus, bringing all things together, making all things new, diversity is expressed as we come together and say, I want to get to know my neighbor. I can't know my God as well unless I learn more about him alongside you. That's real. What does it look like for that to be lived out together? Diversity, renewed and informed by the finished work of Jesus. What does it look like for manhood and womanhood, for families, for relationships, for work, for employee and employer relationship to be defined by Jesus? Well, how does that come about? As we're imagining these things, is it just going to come? Is it just, are we going to just come up with events and smoke and mirrors and circus tricks and all kinds of things and try to fabricate this? What is, how does that come about? Lastly, Calvin, we have this. 
This is how we go about it. Do we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? No. If you see there in verse 29, for this I toil, struggling. It's a struggle, guys. It's not easy. I've, I experience this week in and week out in my own life, in conversations and relationships I have. It's a struggle. It's not easy. But how do we do this? We struggle, we toil with all whose energy? His energy. With all His energy that He powerfully works within me. We don't struggle. We don't toil on our own. We don't go about this church, look back, alright, year one, man, now what? Let's, let's come up with some stuff. No, we continually to ground ourselves in the person and work of Jesus, submitting to Him and trusting in the promises that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power through which He ascended into heaven and said, I will return, I'm making all things new. That power, the power of God, the Holy Spirit, empowering us, shaping us, to live that out in light of the promise that He's making all things new. Amen? Amen. So guys, now we're going to respond as we do every week. But we're going to respond this week pointedly, not being defined by our own stories, by wherever we're at, but we're going to together celebrate, rejoice, sing. So as we always do, we're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. Let's pray for wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life. There will be people over here to pray. If, if His story is not defining your life, let's ask, let's, let's pray together for that. We give as well every week. If you're a Christian, we give as an act of worship together. We, we say this is, this is all that I have is given by God for His joy, or His glory, my joy, and the good of others. So we give. If you're not a Christian, I'd encourage you and ask you not to give. We just, we're just happy that you're here. We want to enter into this conversation with you more. Um, and then finally, we, we take communion together. Every day this is important. All the more today, we come together and we take communion. Again, if you're not a Christian, I'd warn you, I'd ask you not to take communion. Because what you're saying by taking communion is you're saying, my life is defined by Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus and His, I take the bread because it's broken for me. And, and I take the juice because it reminds me that His blood through His death on the cross, now makes me alive. Through taking communion, we're, we're saying, I'm a, I'm a son or daughter of Jesus. And so, um, again, we're going to sing, we're going to rejoice, we're going to party, we're going to go eat some food together. So with that, let me, let me pray together. I'm going to actually ask you to go ahead and stand now with me as we pray and we prepare to respond in celebration to the good news of Jesus. Lord, thank You for... Um, who you are and what you're doing and what you have done. Thank you that the truths, the rich truths of Colossians 1, 15 through 20 um, inform us and define us. That never gets old. We never become inoculated to the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the author and the hero of the story. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be shaped by that as we live all of life, all for Jesus. Again, as we pause right now, we remember looking back the first person ever baptized here, uh, I know he, he shares his story gladly and joyfully that if not for you working in his life, um, he may be dead right now, but you've called him from death into life in every way. And Lord, every one of us has a story where we've seen you shape us by your gospel, by your good news. And also, as we look ahead, Lord, to the future, we're excited. We don't know exactly what's up, up ahead, what's in store, but we know that it's your story. We know that it's through your strength. 
through your power that we enter into it. So Lord, now we, we celebrate, we rejoice together as a church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.